0: The idea of comparing the Gaza Strip to Imperial Japan up to the 1940s (laughs) is so crazy, like an imperial power with such a like nauseating legacy of violence and repression and like the most brutal crimes against innocent people. It's like and yes, and they are very similar to the 15,000 guys in tunnels with like homemade RPGs.
1: Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome once again to a new year with the Bituation Room and your host, Francesca Fiorentini. How you feeling? How you doing? Did you just sort of, in a dead-eyed way, write down your resolutions in your notes app like you're doing some sort of half-assed Me Too apology like I did? Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's what I, I was like. Yeah, exercise, meditate, write same shit same shit am i going to do it no um anyway um sorry i didn't mean to start this if you're just if you've never seen this show before i'm actually a very optimistic person um 2024 is the year where um everything just works out you know what i mean especially in this country uh no welcome once again it is going to be a wild ride um it's going to be a, a crazy year it's going to be a good year though because Um, We have each other. That's right. And um, when we're huddled around the uh, flaming oil drum and talking about how things were, um, you know, we'll just reflect on the good old days of streaming and Internet or whatever. Uh, No, I don't think that'll happen this year. But soon enough, my friends, we have such a great show. Um, Labor activist and author Bill Fletcher is here. We're going to be talking about, obviously, what is going on. In Gaza, but more specifically, um, what can social movements here in the United States do about it? And how can we um, convince Joe Biden to not be the nominee for president? There's a lot of things I want to talk to Bill about. Um, Very, very happy to have him here. Uh, Also, Will Weldon, comedian who has not been on the show before. Oh, my God. We're starting off with some fresh blood. So Will's going to join me and we're going to talk about, yes, updates on the war. No, the um, assault, the attack, uh, the genocide, updates on the ethnic cleansing in Gaza. Um, And then look at uh, Mr. John Fetterman. Haven't talked about uh, Fetterman's little right wing turn here. We'll get into that. And then a final segment. And I I have to do this. We have to do this because there's some Trump news. There's there's always Trump news. I don't always like to do Trump news, but we should do a little bit of an update. Um, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtle involved. So anytime there's a TNMT. T. reference, obviously this show will cover it. So um, stay tuned for that. And while you're here, if you are here, if you're listening, hey, what's up? How are you? I have a new microphone. Can you hear the difference? Um, also, give the show five stars on Apple, iTunes, excuse me, or Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast helps people discover the show. If you're watching as a live stream, what up? Please like and share the stream right now. If you're on Twitch, hi. Um, you all know this is just the Tuesday show, but there's a Friday show that I do solo. Um, and I will be once again doing a show uh, this Friday. As I always do, the bonus bish, we call it, and um, you can watch it for free, but if you want to watch it back, you have to become a patron, and there's so many reasons to become a patron of this show, Um, mostly because it's you who makes this show happen, literally, Uh, but also you get that bonus episode back in your ear holes and your eye holes, you get access to The American Prospect online for free, you also get deep discounts on The American Prospect, which I write for every single issue. Um... Like I think it's 60% off. So it might be like $20 for the year. Ridiculous. It's such a good magazine. Everybody should subscribe to it. Um, but uh, go through patreon.com slash bituation room. That's what you want to do. That's how you support. Um, also, final little announcement. Um, I will be live. That's right. We are doing a show in San Francisco for SF Sketchfest. Uh the Bituation Room will be live. With Miles Gray of the Daily Zeitgeist, Emma Vigland of The Majority Report, NATO Green of this show and of The Bugle, stand-up comic, labor organizer, and of course, Lil old me. If only, if only we could be like Stalin. No, I'm kidding. Uh, this is, <laughs> if you're listening, there's a poster. We're like Stalin, Lenin, Che, Mao. I'm not really, I'm like, I'm not really into Stalin. Like, like full disclosure, but, um, I love this poster. It was so fun and it is beautiful. So, um, get tickets guys, uh, SF sketch fest. There should be a link in the description below. I hope to see you there. I can't wait to see you there. It's going to be such a fun night. Also NATO and I will be doing stand-up the night before on Sunday. That is Sunday, January 28th. We'll be doing a stand-up show on Sunday, January 27th, far fewer tickets for that. So if you want to see me do joke jokes that I've actually written that I've like, correct that is like time tested well you might not want to come to either of those shows because my uh, your girl your girl is uh you know it's been a slow it's been a slow couple months but we, we, got, we got we got some new material we, we're, we're working shit out <laughs> sorry we're, we're writing new year's resolutions there's a, there's jokes in there uh no very happy to have y'all here um with everything let's get into it let's get into what we are bitching about first tuesday of 2024 Okay, so I am bitching about something very specific. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the game show on Netflix, Squid Game. No, not the drama series that was incredible. The game, Squid Game, uh, is created by Huang Dong Hyuk. That's the actual, the, the the one who created Squid Game, the drama series south korean obviously uh he famously um sold all the ip to netflix right for squid game which again is a dystopian game show for the entertainment of billionaires which people who are in debt and down on their luck try to compete for millions and millions of dollars except the price of them losing is them losing their life got it A late stage capitalist commentary on everything that's awful and how we are just sort of little, you know, mice running around for billionaires entertainment while they, you know, fuck off to Mars. Well, not soon enough, but you know what I'm saying? So famously, he received a sum that we don't know. Like, we're not sure how much Huang Dong-hyuk got for creating Squid Game and for creating $900 million in profit for Netflix. That's what we do know. That that's what it raked in. We don't know how much he got. We imagine it is far less. We know it's less than $38 million. I mean, I'm, this is all a very long windup because welcome to my show. It's a long windup to say that now not only is Netflix not paying like adequately the creator of the most successful show for them maybe ever, but definitely of the last few years or, or last year, I guess, they're now doing a spin off show of which he will get no residual money for a spin off show that, oh, is just Squid Game. Now, no, people don't die. They are not killed, but they are working class people, kind of down on their luck, incredibly emotionally volatile. I mean, obvious considering the way reality show contestants are treated. We've talked about this. They probably are deprived of like food and water, although I did see water bottles. Yeah. You girl been watching. I've watched a couple of episodes. It is very entertaining. And I am outraged at people like myself and the entire thing. Because the point of Squid Game, the lesson of Squid Game was, isn't this evil? And American producers are like, no, that's good television. Doc. Like, And they will make a show where, yeah, they're not killing people. But it is just the same awful um, and very high stakes games so-called games and in which and if you watch the show the, people are crying like way too soon you know what I mean in the first episode everyone's like <laughs> and I, you're like Jesus who what family member do they have does Netflix have like with a gun to their head like what's going on and then I read a little bit about what's happening and apparently one of the first games it was like Sub-Zero, they were all freezing their ass off. It took nine hours to record. And they said that one woman was convulsing on the floor, but that they couldn't move to help her because, of course, this game is red light, green light. You have to stop and not move. Like, the most heinous crap. This is what they were subjected to. Um, They're saying, like, their legs went completely numb. One got pneumonia and had an ear infection after competing. And again, idiots like me. Are watching and consuming this because it's entertaining because we're hogs and netflix is raking in the dough and so i just i want to point out the iron the sick irony how ridiculous like how we have we've jumped capitalism is so cruel it will like When like the three spirits of Christmas, past, present, and future come to visit it, it like spooks them. It like, you know, it'll like find a way to co-opt them and their whole like spook game, you know? And it'll it will like it is there it is so resiliently evil that it will find a way to take the thing that's clearly mocking it and it's like I'm in on this joke. Let's do a game an actual game called Squid Game. Even though Squid Game is about how awful this kind of thing is. That's what I'm bitching about. Look, pay those people. It's If you want to make them, if you want to actually say something, do the show, but pay these people. Pay the, pay the actual uh, creator of Squid Game better. And then pay the contestants. You know they're not getting money. Of course they're not getting money. It's evil. And yes, I will keep watching. I'm evil. We're starting off evil. All right, guys. That's what I'm bitching about. Can you relate? Um, But with me, uh, joining in this collective bitch, comedian, actor, writer for the first time, Will Weldon, everybody. Will, welcome to the show.
0: Hi. Hello.
1: How are you? Uh, I'm well. Could you see me?
0: in the uh, Streamyard green room uh uh trying out different uh uh bits to do when you introduced me and then finally giving up on all of them and just coming in normal
1: <laughs> no yeah i
0: had when like I'm, a were you I like it
1: like was like a first date energy kind of thing no i had
0: like a cormac mccarthy book that i was reading upside down and then i was Got like doing like a miniature and you know and then i was like i've never been on the show before i don't know this seems i don't know francesca that well this seems a little too a little too much to No, because we, we would whatever.
1: have gotten to a very long conversation about cormac mccarthy and then it would have been a whole thing and you'd be like actually he's an incredible and i'm like i don't know i've read like a thing all the pretty horses yes mm. look
0: i i, I also uh, my wife is a lit major so i'm the one who is like bullied about literate literature <laughs> in my home
1: you're a stand-up <laughs> you're like oh
0: Every every time I saw a tweet about like oh men trying to make you read Infinite Jest, I would just be like, no, it's not just men. You <laughs> know, she won't leave me <laughs> about it. <laughs> just things like you just have to get past the first one hundred pages.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. See, I could do that for a show, but I'm not doing that for a book. I'm
0: not doing it for a show either. I'm not. Sorry, I'll just never watch Boardwalk Empire. I don't have
1: a. <laughs> well, um, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. What are you bitching about this January 2nd? What could have bothered you in the day that it was 2024?
0: Okay, so I, I have prefer I have um I have got an intro uh, ready for this. Um,
1: okay. New
0: rule. If you're going to <laughs> insist on posting guys like Bill Maher, Matty Iglesias, and Thomas Chatterson Williams onto the TL, then at least have the courtesy to post them on an alternate timeline.
1: <laughs> One where I
0: was never born.
1: Ooh, zing. I don't have a soundboard, but if I did. <laughs> I, I, there Tell was me. Well, people, so
0: I am a, look, I've, I'm on the cutting edge of a lot of like sicko pervert brain stuff. Like I've hated Bill Maher for a really long time. I think that Uh, makes you
1: like a, not a pervert. I think that's.
0: But in an obsessive way, in a way where I used to end, I used to end sets with a bit that ended me screaming. uh, I would end, I'd start a bit by being like, I hate Bill Maher. And then it would end with me screaming. This is not a joke. This is a credible threat on Bill Maher's life. (laughs) And. He, it's, they, again, like another people were posting around that clip from like one of his specials from like 2010 or something where he's doing the like Muslim fashion show and it's just a bunch of women in hijabs. And it it's, it it's this, it's, it's that going around and there were clips before and there, I've seen so many different clips from like his various shows and his standup and it feels like it's the same with like that guy, no opinion on Twitter, like Noah opinion, mm. uh, uh maddie iglesias like there will stancil is becoming one of these guys where it's just like there should just be a list of names and at a certain point somebody reaches critical mass and their name gets added to the list and we just don't talk about them anymore.
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: we know he's bad we know they're both a near irritating and morally bad we can just it's just it's
1: and they're, and they're irrelevant and sort of like personally comfortable and insulated from anything they're saying, like surrounded by so many um, like centrist sycophant idiots like Matt Iglesias, you know, and, and Bill Maher is like his own breed. But I do think Matt Iglesias comes from Vox, right? He's. Yes. He's that world of just again. Yeah. And it's and time, especially right now, where it's like, and I've said this before, like I. I mean, Michael Rappaport's losing his goddamn mind. We're all annoyed at the like rabid Zionists. It's really awful. But for some reason, I'm less bothered by them than I am by the like centrists who are like, you know what? It's really complicated. I believe it was sadly Aaron Rupar who just posted something like that. He he tweets a lot about Fox News. He's like an incredible news it. source.
0: He a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like this is a time where. Like, Bill Maher at least is, like, a rabid Islamophobe, but I don't like the people who try to justify their justification for genocide with, like, intellectual fucking pish posh. I don't know, pish posh is the word, but you know what I mean. And it, it, I just, like, guys like Aaron Rupar,
0: I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't actually believe you think it's complicated. I think you're doing this for, essentially, this is just careerism on your part totally because you think this is like better for you and you've probably justified it by being like well what difference what difference does it make if i say something well i'm just one guy what difference will it make and it's like those guys have existed for so long but but like your thing with like michael rapaport or like brett Gelman, it's like they're worse but they're also new so like right 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 right. they're also dumb
1: they're also like horribly dumb
0: yes like uh, like you know, sorry, I do get, like, a, a sick, nasty pleasure out of watching Brett Gelman, like, a video of Brett Gelman on, like, Israel's Saturday Night Live, where he's like, hello, I've just enrolled to a gay Jew-hating university here in Oakland,
1: California. Like, well, the, I, but the, and, I, and that's the level of bill maher i mean this is speaking of like executives who don't know what they're doing like when will he be off the air like what does he have to do? first of all you think he's on the epstein flight log that would be very fun but we're not I, talking I, about that today
0: yes i that was going to be my other thing and i was like i don't have to um but yeah but, it's, yeah,
1: but it, it, you know it, christmas it, is coming it's more of it's, like a didn't you say it was more like the three kings or situation it's like you know how like Reyes Magos like the Three Kings Day that a lot of Latinos celebrate? I think it's January 5th or 5th or 6th. That's going to definitely be like the Epstein celebration. It's like Oh, um,
0: okay. No, that was not me. I'm oh, okay. uh, I mean, I live in Silver Lake, but I'm still not I don't know if you've noticed I'm not the most Latino guy in the world.
1: No. <laughs> For those of you listening, just take him at his um just take him at his accent. <laughs> take him Here. at his um yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Let's get into the week. Many things happened, but only two in my brain, in my mind. This is The Week where. Okay, so let's do some updates, some ye old updates about uh, Israel's attack on Gaza, which has not slowed. Uh, sadly, not a humanitarian pause, not even on Christmas not on New Year's, Uh, more bombs, more schools, refugee camps targeted. Um, The death toll of Palestinians is over 22,000, two thirds of which are women and children. Um, Netanyahu just said the war is going to go on for many more months. He says Hamas can't be in control of Gaza, which as we all know, is not really possible to completely eradicate uh, Hamas, especially, I mean, they're the elected government also, the IDF does not distinguish between Hamas and civilians. They've said this multiple times, but I guess we still don't take them seriously. Um they say that Israel will be in control of Gaza. There's already whispers of plans to recolonize, to basically set up settlements in Gaza after, you know, they were withdrawn. Um, but they will probably likely come back. Just today, a Hamas official in southern Lebanon was uh, killed in a massive airstrike on a building. And so who knows what that means for, uh, Lebanon and like Hezbollah's re- reaction. I'm just giving you the roundup. Yeah. Uh, it.
0: I, I mean, the eliminating Hamas thing, uh, there was a guy, I think it was, uh, yes, it was, uh, at internet hippo, uh, who it's just a tweet I've been thinking about for a long time, which was just, um, hold on. I wrote it down. I just want to say, I did, I prepared a doc and I have a little thank research you. done. I think, I think, I have a thing about comedians going on podcasts where they think they can just kind of like roll in and just like sit there and be like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, at least try. You look bad. Why would you do something? And then be like, well, I might as well make it, uh, uh, give myself high odds of not looking good on this thing that's public.
2: <laughs> You're uh, very
0: sweet. <laughs> uh, it was, um, oh, it was uh, at internet hippo. I'm not a political expert, but if you eliminated Hamas, but killed my whole family in the process, my first move would be to start Hamas too. Yeah, And it's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's like so crazy cuz I was a teenager uh I was a teenager and then like you know uh, early 20s through like the true like like most sort of passionate phase of the war on terror to where now they're mm. just kind of like doing it like sh- but um right it it seeing it as like uh an adult where I feel a lot more matured in my sort of critical thinking it's like crazy to be like this feels exactly the same the idea of a bunch of a bunch of um, a bunch of like cynical grifters who are either insanely stupid or know better, but are just desperate to cling to power, insisting you can like kill, you can kill people into liking you. Uh, and it's, or you can just like eliminate an ideology yeah with like bombings and assassinations. And it, it's, it's like, and I think about that. And then I think about everything that came after And I'm like, well, this is horrible. This is like such a brutal road. It feels like I'm just sort of being like shoved down by a crowd.
1: No. And I think that the real thing is the United States, and we'll talk about Biden in a second, knows uh, Blinken, and we've talked about on the show, has admitted you cannot destroy Hamas. Like you because you cannot destroy an ideology. You cannot destroy um, like people who will take violence, extreme actions against Oppression, right? Like it's just not going to happen. And he's admitted that. So the question is, how many bodies? And we're at 22,000. When this war was at 2,000, 3,000, maybe, I remember reading reports that we're looking at, if there is a ground invasion, which there has been, if there's a ground ground invasion, we're looking at 20 to 30,000. And the number like chilled me to my core. And now we're here and I feel like I feel nothing. Like I feel I'm more chilled. Not by the death. I'm actually chilled by the fucking inaction of our own government. I'm chilled by the fact that fools who I was like, look, I know this person will come around because this is clearly genocide and they haven't come around. That's actually what chills me the most, again, because it feels like where I can, I have some control, but you're totally right. The thing is, Israel doesn't actually care about destroying Hamas. They care about cleansing all of Gaza of every Palestinian Go live in the Sinai desert intense. That's what they want. And that's um, apparently what Biden is slow on, you know, on the take with.
0: It it is funny to say it's like they're like whispers. It's like I mean, it's like, yeah, there are whispers during live television interviews with like the minister of defense where he's like, we want to just get them all out of there. Or we want to leave it to the point where there's only a few hundred thousand and then they just will. And they move. Let's just get out of this ghetto because this sucks ass. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, like all that shit during Trump where it was like oh, I should check if I could swear first uh, all everything during Trump where it was like uh, the like that famous like Trump is gaslighting American. This feels like the first time where I've been like truly where it's like truly an attempt at gaslighting yeah. by an yeah. administration because like Trump, they never tried. There was no real effort. They just lied. And everybody was like, well, that's not true. And they were like, eh, get out of here. But now it's like they're insisting so heavily and like refusing to acknowledge any of the realities that I'm like, surely I am not crazy. I know that's what a crazy person says, but I must not be the insane one here for seeing what I'm seeing.
1: I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And unlike gaslighting, overused, but very, very fitting in this case. Um, There's good news, Will, however, which is South Africa, yes, the country that knows better than any what apartheid looks like, um, the attempt at subjugation and ethnic cleansing. Um, They've launched a case in the ICJ, excuse me, the World Court, which is this UN civil court, um, against Israel for crimes of genocide in in violation of international law under the 1948 Genocide Convention. So Israel's going to defend itself at The Hague in like 10 days around this, which is very fun, like, I, I like... I want that reality show. like I want more like world power on world power like Hague on you know Hague drama. um so
0: did you so, see mm-hmm. did you see that there there is talk of them possibly getting um oh my god uh th- the number one lawyer who defends Israel. Yeah. oh my god uh uh, uh oh, Dersh- I'm so yes, Dershowitz oh, oh
1: per- perfect size. like. Perfect sex life, Dershowitz. Yeah. Um definitely on all the flight logs. Uh Dershowitz, yeah. (laughs) Could there be, could there be like, could there be a better Imagine Dersh on the international stage is like and that's why you all need to invite me to Martha's Vineyard again, because at the end of the day, we're all Zionists here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he's got like a brief from, like, Steven Pinker, like, saying why it's not genocide. Like, I just, that's, like, that goes back to the, the like, Brett Gelman and, and Michael Rappaport stuff, where it's, like, fine. Then just make it as stupid as possible. Like, yeah. I, I, when it's that stupid, I don't think it can really have much of an outcome, or much of an effect on the outcome. So, like, yeah, just just give me the version that Andy Cohen, that demon, would put together <laughs> for all of right. us. I don't want this to pretend like there's, like, that any dignity or grace going on
1: uh, it would be. Yeah. OK, so a few other things international law wise, then we'll move on to Fetterman. So just if you have been taking a little bit of a break for the holidays or whatnot, good on you. Um, but this uh, Prem Tucker, I don't know if I'm saying that right, sort of gave a rundown of everything that's happened in December uh, around international um you know, international law and Israel-Palestine. So the UN Security Council on December 8th votes 13 to one for ceasefire and hostages released. U.S. single-handedly vetoes. December 9th, U.S. approves, sending $106.5 million worth of tank shells without congressional approval. So again, this is Biden's first move on this, on on unilateral action, executive action. December 12th, the UN General Assembly votes 153 to 10 for a ceasefire and hostage release. U.S. votes against December 11th, 19th u.n general assembly votes 172 to four in favor of palestinian self-determination emphasizing achieving a just and lasting comprehensive peace settlement between palestinian and israeli sides u.s votes against december 22nd the united security council um votes 13 to 0 for a ramp up of aid and hostage release well that was sort of an easy one and then december 29th u.s approved sending israel 147.5 million dollars worth of equipment without congressional approval so again this is executive actions by biden um So remember, he's got 14 billion waiting in the wings, stalled by Congress, but he is piecemeal giving Israel more and more money for weapons. So $147.5 million sale for equipment, including fuses, charges, primers that's needed to make 155 millimeter shells that Israel has already purchased, blah, blah, blah. All this shit where they're like, we swear we can save like another family if you just give us more weapons, more police training in our ethnic cleansing so we can- do precision or both you know like it's so ridiculous we know they're using two thousand pound bombs and and also
0: like you know how many billions of dollars have we just given to israel like unconditionally over the years and it's like if and all the talk of like you know knowing every all the weapons caches and how much they've amassed over the last you know 30 years 40 years If if with all of that you can't beat fifteen thousand guys with like homemade RPGs running around in tunnels, I don't think money is your issue. Like, like at at a certain point, even Theranos people were like, "Well, this is not happening." Like, enough. (laughs) And and it it, like what? Why? What evidence is there that any any more? It's it's not like a weapons advantage. Again,
1: the last person to. the last the joke is all on Biden. And we'll talk with Bill a little bit more about this, but the joke truly is still on Joe Biden. Even his administration, even the State Department knows that this is BS. They know it's about not about weapons. Um, they know it is about the broader Zionist project um of literally pushing palestinians into the sea let's switch gears um i want to get through this because this has been flying under my radar for a little bit which is um senator john fetterman again the nearly seven foot freshman senator who famously had a stroke on the campaign trail was such an incredible um and is such an incredible like Um, sort of emblem of like working class populist from Pennsylvania beat Mehmet Oz, you know, sort of like coastal elite, not even from PA, um, talked all about like raising the minimum wage, union power, all this stuff. Now Fetterman is openly saying, and this is basically after October 7th. Now he's not a progressive, not a progressive anymore. He's just a regular old Democrat. And a lot of media is very excited about how he. They have headlines like this: John Fetterman isn't the politician you thought he'd be, and he doesn't care. He like doesn't care about you, um, which That's is also known
0: as lying to your voters. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's <laughs> also known
0: as lying on a can- on the campaign trail right. about who you were going to be if they elected you.
1: It also reminds me, and I will get into specifically what he said, but it reminds me of all the pieces, all the ink spilled about Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. Kirsten Cinema is a mean girl and she doesn't care. Joe Manchin like dances to the beat of his own drum and he doesn't care. And it's just like, no, these are senators. These are the most powerful people in our country, arguably. They have a job. It doesn't like, it's not about their own personal brand or what they do or what where no 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 they're elected to do an effing job. So what is going on? And John Fetterman this is important to know, has said we should get money out of politics. But when it comes to Israel, he's accepted, this is just in the last, he's only had one election cycle, $244,000 from pro-Israel groups. And you know the money is not stopping. So I guess he won't be bought by like corporate donors. But when it comes to Israel or the weapons industry, he's all good. Here he was talking to Jake Tapper um, about, shoot, I think I have this. Um, hang on, hang on. Give me a second. Page, cut this, got this part. Um, here he was talking to Jake Tapper about losing this label of progressive
3: party, particularly among uh, young voters. Uh, when it comes to Israel's war against Hamas, seventy-two percent of young voters, according to this new poll, disapprove of how President Biden is handling the Israel-Hamas war. You've been very vocal. In your full support for Israel, I see the Israeli flag behind you in your office. There, you've been very clearly arguing that Hamas bears responsibility for the tragedy of what's going on in Gaza. Why do you think so many younger people, especially in your party, see it differently?
2: I, I really, I really don't. I really don't know. Uh, I, I do know that a lot of people are getting their perspective from TikTok. Oh my and God. i think if you're there
1: it is that's my favorite well <laughs> these kids are just they're on tiktok all the time and if they're okay so here here he's gonna dump on tiktok mind you dump on tiktok but
2: here's why think- you're kind of getting your perspective on the world on tiktok it's going to tend to be kind of warped or not reflective of the the history and, and actually the way things absolutely are
1: and The way things absolutely are, it's like he's telling himself that, yeah, if you get your news only from CNN, you will have embedded journalists being taken around by comically stupid IDF soldiers telling you that the gun they just planted was definitely part of a command center underneath the hospital of Al Shifa. Like, like the fact that it's and this is will anyway, we'll we'll continue to listen and then I'll, I'll we'll talk
2: what is very clear is is that Hamas started this and they actually broke the the ceasefire and they attacked uh and murdered uh babies children women
1: babies was disproven
2: uh attacked a, a music uh uh concert and everything it's 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 outrageous <laughs> and
1: people weren't in allowed to enjoy their rave music I'm sorry it's very funny at this late stage almost 90 days into this to be like the music festival like like just, I've never heard anything land hollower. Like, yes, what happened on October seventh? Evil, heinous. Look at what has happened on eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, every goddamn day. But no, the music festival. Which, by the way, a lot of those deaths thanks to the idea. Also,
0: also, also like anybody who's actually been to a big music festival is like, oh no, like, like, well, if it's got to happen somewhere, I don't know if the music festival is like the place <laughs> I would put at the bottom of my list.
1: Totally, totally. I I went to FYS a
0: couple times. I heard how much harder those people cheered for. um, uh, Fuck. Oh, God. Uh,
1: (laughs) What are you saying?
0: I was mad because they didn't cheer for Kendrick as hard as they cheered for the headliner on the second night. And it'll bother me forever because he's even a local.
1: When you go to a music festival and you see enough people sort of like taking selfies in the in magic hour, you're like, you know what? (laughs) Look, we don't condone violence but oh my god like the same talking points
2: from from now on um it's been very clear that that israel would very much want there to be peace
1: oh sure sure (laughs) i I, it's very but that's the thing it's like this is what i'm saying though this you're, you're when you're brand new to this issue which a lot of people are it's okay but we don't have and the palestinian movement and the solidarity movement we obviously don't have the money, the lobbyists. We don't have the $250,000 be like, here, here's what you think about this issue, you know? And so when you're brand new, yeah, you're going to go for the, I guess, and you're a fucking senator. You're just going to go with whoever offers you more money and a worldview. He also has
0: always this since he's always been a big Israel guy, though. This is like, right. I think the thing a lot of people not a lot of people realize is like even on the campaign trail, he was like really going hard into his, like, his pro-Israel bona fides. And I think it was a thing where at the time it was like, well, this doesn't really matter. Like, This is just one of those things where I think this entire generation of Democrats uh, was like, well, this thing is at a stalemate and we don't need, nobody's thinking about it. It's not an issue. It's totally, totally. Nobody in the grand scale is thinking about it so we can just leave it alone and we can just default to what we've always done. And I think now he is, I think, before where he had all of the I because he's insanely online like it's his aides have have said he approves every single tweet they put out and he just said that social media has made his depression worse which I hope he stay I hope he never leave social media then and. <laughs> it's i think a part of it is i'm sure he saw like the memes and like haha look at the like pro fetterman jokes and i do and i'll say this before B- bill comes on because he's a guy i respect and so i'm probably just gonna keep my mouth shut during it i think he's being a <laughs> fucking bitch about all this i genuinely yes. think like well, I'm okay you're gonna make fun of me well i'm not a progressive
1: anymore and it's like yes.
0: pathetic. like yeah. you're be yeah.
1: pathetic right now, man. And also, like, if people are telling you this, and especially people who supported you, donated to you, liked your campaign, maybe listen. Just to have a little bit of humility. But again, like, this is what happened. I mean, cutting the ladder on- up underneath you after you've won your seat. It's happened many times before when with electeds. And it's sad. And I will say, I don't discount him. I want to say, it's important to not write off Fetterman forever. I want to. And I do want this to be an issue that will be a litmus test. It should be going forward. But we will need him when it comes to raising the minimum wage, to passing the PRO Act, to if the Democrats hold on to the Senate, to do a lot of things. But we also need to push him. It it is very disappointing. And you're right. He would he would respond to that, you know, sort of him being called a little bitch because he is very direct. He you know, he clowned on James Carville for being upset about Biden. And it's like, I like that. I like the way he is, but he's just so wrong on this issue. And it's, I don't think it's his fault. I just think he's not actually that educated. And it feels like a, it is a super safe position to be pro-genocide right now. You can be pro-genocide and nothing will fucking happen to you at all. In fact, you'll get money. You'll get job opportunities.
0: Yeah, and he's bad at this too. Uh, Like it's, he's bad, like this stuff, it's like, when he's like ripping on um the New Jersey, Bob Menendez, it's like, wh- like you can tell he's, this isn't his, like this is the kind of thing where he's like, like repeating those talking points. It's like that guy we just saw has like none of the charisma and the energy of the guy who is like clowning on Bob Menendez for corruption. Like that's a guy who is like, like political skills and like an energy about him. whereas you watch that and you're like, that could be anybody you could have
1: total. uh, Well, Bill
0: Sherman is more is uh, insane, but like you could have any guy from the party on giving that exact same talk. Yes. And like be influenced and influence like nobody. Oh, I want to slap Jake Tapper, man. That (laughs) the like head turn and the like
1: Jake Tapper, he has his moments. He he's also, he's kind of an airhead, I think, but Um, Let's leave that there and let's bring in uh, my next guest, uh, my continuing guest, uh, longtime racial justice and labor activist, former president of the Trans-Africa Forum, author of several books, including They're Bankrupting Us. Please welcome Bill Fletcher, Jr. Bill, how are you? Welcome back.
3: Uh, I'm doing well. And I was saying Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Yeah.
3: Happy
0: New Year.
1: Thank you for being here. I'm sure you've been listening in a little bit. Um, Yes. You know, you also are one of the co-founders, I think, of the Ukrainian solidarity. Is it tell me that's about creating a solidarity network? Is that po- that's true? correct? Yeah. Sort mm-hmm. of and the last time we talked, you know, we really did talk about this Russia's ongoing war on Ukraine from a leftist perspective and mm-hmm. not having this sort of knee-jerk anti-Biden, anti-um, you know, support for a movement for sovereignty in Ukraine and, and the ways that the left needs to sort of rethink um, kind of sitting out the Ukraine-Russia war. And I thought it was a really fruitful conversation. And one of the ways, and you've had a lot of conversations around you know Ukrainian solidarity, specifically with Palestinian activists as well, mm-hmm. um, who are drawing, have drawn those parallels between Palestinians and Ukrainians. And then October 7th and then this doubling, tripling, quadrupling down from the Biden administration Mm -hmm. on, you know, supporting genocide with, you know, everything, you know, from rhetoric to weapons and even saying in this instance, the oppressed are the Ukrainians in this are the Israelis are is Netanyahu are the ones who have the war planes, who have the outsized military, who control the land, sea, air, you know, everything of Gaza and we're all supposed to just sort of buy that and it's wild so i my question to you is does what biden is doing does that recast for you cuz for me i'm thinking like man maybe maybe his ukraine stance is just completely for the war industry and the war machine like maybe it's nothing about sovereignty maybe fuck biden on foreign policy what do you what are your thoughts on that so you know biden
3: is who he is, he is not one of us. Damn. That's what I think that's right. really important. We have overlapping interests on certain things, but he's not one of us. So yes. I think once you recognize it, then you can look at the particulars. Uh, Biden is also a Zionist. Uh, and, and I distinguish him uh, from Obama, who was not a Zionist, but I think was an opportunist who was looking at the pragma- pragmatic needs of U.S. imperialism. Mm. Biden believes this stuff. And he has believed it. And, and I think that we've got to understand that there is an ideological element to what we're seeing within elements of the U.S. ruling group. I mean, some of it is that they're responding just because they're afraid of being attacked by APAC but there's others that are responding because they really believe this ideologically. And it goes back to the very foundation of Israel and what was happening after World War II. But it really, you really see a shift after the six day war in 1967. That's when uh, that uh, opposition to uncritical support for Israel, was basically treated as forbidden territory. Right. So I think that's what we're seeing there. So it's not, to me, what he's doing does not lead me to say, well, then I've got to criticize him on Ukraine because blah, blah, blah. I don't really care what was motivating him around Ukraine. What I cared about and care about is that the Ukrainians get the supplies to resist.
1: Hmm. I think it is it is really um, sad because the GOP has a wing that, of course, is in bed with Putin for many different reasons, whether actually financially or just because they are, you know, they love him, um, mm-hmm. who are holding up money to Israel and Ukraine because those things are tied together, they're trying to delink them. But right. there's no countervailing force that says, "Hey, let's hold up money to Israel." Because actually, that's the one where we should put be putting the brakes on. There's been some intimation of, hey, maybe we will condition this aid, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Biden's circumventing all that and giving them money. So it it also really, um, I think when it comes to you, you you've analyzed, you know, right wing populism mm-hmm. or faux populism so well. And I think the thing that's stinging for me lately is this lack of a true, you know, progressive or left anti-war push within the party whereas you actually have for all the wrong reasons an anti-war push from the far right in in the party.
3: Well let me qualify what you just said. Um, there is an element within the I call them the ceasefire Democrats right right And so we've seen this grouping grow actually in Congress. Of Democrats that are uh, willing to step out and say we need a ceasefire. Yes. Now, I think that so that's great, and that's that's part of the good news. I think that there remains a lot of confusion within the Democratic Party about Ukraine mm. and about what it means to support the Ukrainian resistance. And 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 so I, I, unfortunately, there's not been the right kind of space, I don't think, to really engage progressives, progressive Democrats in Congress around how to understand what exactly is, is going on in Ukraine and why it is right to get supplies to resist mm-hmm. the Russian aggression. The other part uh, of what's going on is what you mentioned, that there really is a Putin wing of the Republican Party. And while there were those that looked at that back in, after 2016 as, you know, Trump getting support from Putin, I think what we have to look at is a little bit more, a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. that there's a segment, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a perfect example, of people that really believe in what Putin is arguing. Putin is a white supremacist. He is a homophobe. He is a misogynist. He's a form of Christian nationalist. He and and he has said on more than one occasion he and his allies that they are standing up for for Western civilization, right? So so there's there's a wing of the Republican Party that really embraces this and and sees uh, sees Putin as you know sort of the co godfather of right wing populism.
1: Yeah yeah no for sure i guess i'm just saying and i agree that the ceasefire democrats are that is an advance a development we would have never seen in years prior had it not been for you know the squad growing and whatnot but there isn't still um there's not a vision right the right seems to have a vision of we we just don't want any money for foreign wars unless it's on the us mexico border that we're we're good with you know um and china or, against or, or Israel, or Israel, but right, and so I guess I'm just like there's you there's a ceasefire, which feels like the bare minimum, but there's no actual like poll. There's no yes, there's no vision <laughs> that says this is a the future. We don't want to just send weapons to just anyone. All aid should be conditioned, including the aid on Ukraine. However, Correct. we believe it's it's good. You know, we believe in certain measure, whatnot. So anyway, let's no, move. I
3: agree. I, I would say that for a number of years. I go back to the Jesse Jackson campaign of 1988 and his way of formulating foreign policy.
0: Mm.
2: And
3: I thought that what he articulated then, and pretty much consistently, has been the key elements of a democratic with a small d foreign policy. That is a a foreign policy that is uh, non-interventionist, that is supportive of human rights. Um, that is that attempts to have the United States play the honest broker, mm-hmm. where, I mean, when they actually are honest. Uh, I mean, there, there are elements there of, respo- of, of, of propping up the United Nations, making the United Nations a more effective vehicle. So I would agree with you that what I have felt for a long time is missing, including within the uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus. Is this sort of democratic foreign policy, what is it that we stand for? Totally. I, I just read this uh, this br- briefly, this piece by Jeff Foe, who was the founder of the uh, uh, Economic Policy Institute years ago. Mm, mm-hmm. Really good guy. But he wrote this sort of strange piece in The Nation magazine that essentially calls upon the left to become isolationists and and i looked at this and, and it, it basically what he's saying is that there really is no good deed that can be done internationally and we need to focus our attention on what's going on in the united states and i felt like no this is this is a total retreat first of all it's not going to happen and there's going to be a constant battle uh, around uh, around foreign policy so right. the question is where do progressives stand the idea that we can somehow withdraw and and say, the hell with the outside world, we're going to just focus internally, never going to happen. And that kind of advice is really destructive.
1: Yeah. I mean, we can, we don't have to get into it, but yes, the long uh, sorted, scary history of isolation, isolationism in this country, usually aligned with white nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but yes, that we are a far cry from the internationalism of the sixties and seventies and even I guess of you know Jesse Jackson's campaign in terms of a vision. And we don't have that vision. And Bernie, our boy, completely left us in the lurch on this one. But let's let's Because he's it, never
3: I, been good on foreign policy for Exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, exactly. going
3: back to his campaigns in 2016-2020, uh, in 2016, I was hoping to get involved in this campaign. Mm-hmm. And part of what I wanted to do was directly around issues of foreign policy because bernie has been really good on domestic issues when it gets to foreign policy he's it's just not him and i don't know that he's ever had the right advisors it just doesn't come out right most of the time
1: yes agreed agreed um i want to talk about biden the election and then labor but sure and will please jump in um Oh, Will, you you are on mute. I cannot hear you, my friend. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, I pressed it with my leg on my headphones. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about um, with Biden, I had sort of up until now, I had kind of gotten this impression um, from him that he had, you know, I guess, relatively become relatively dovish since Iraq, almost as if he like actually managed to recognize what a disaster that mm-hmm. was. Because I know he was one of the only voices against uh, assassinating bin Laden Mm -hmm. and um, uh, and and withdrawing from Afghanistan. It feels like almost any other president would have just kind of like bowed into pressure and just like reignited conflict in that region by just going back on the deal. And he also tried to I've read they tried to restart the Iran nuclear deal way too late. Is this like is am I just like was I just like deluding myself for some sort no. of like hope?
3: no 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 no. I think what you were missing was the Israel exception
1: right of course. <laughs> see there's an
3: Israel exception to foreign policy and there's an Israel exception to um domestic criticism and 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 so I think what we have seen is not that this is some sort of 180 degree turn from other things that he did, um, and, and I agree with everything that you just, uh, you just laid out, I think it's that when it comes to Israel, that there is this assumption that excuse me, the general rules no longer apply and that the United States' obligation is to stand with Israel, mm-hmm. period. That's it, end of discussion. And, and I think that he believes this. You know, I I think that when you go back to the 1940s uh, and the formation of Israel, one of the things that's interesting is that there was actually a debate in U.S. ruling circles whether or not to support the formation of Israel. Hmm. And most people would never believe that because now it just seems like everybody's in lockstep. But there was an argument that went on, and part of the argument was, that taking a stand and supporting the foundation of Israel, meaning the driving out of Palestinians, etc., would be against the long term interests of the United States as an imperialist state. I mean, so this wasn't just about, oh, we're going to be bad and morally or whatever. As an imperialist state, it was going to harm the long term interests. Truman and others sided with the formation of Israel. Part of that was. They didn't want more Jews coming to the United States. Um, but they also looked at Israel as a reliable extension right. of the Western world in an unstable region. A reliable and, liability. Exactly. <laughs> and it's and, and with the exception of Eisenhower doing something that now people would, I mean, probably never believe when uh, Eisenhower told the Israelis, the British, and the French to get out of Egypt in 1956. And they did. Uh, with that exception, wow. it's, it's been, we follow anything that Israel says, pretty much we will go with. If we disagree, we will express our disagreement, but we will never hold Israel accountable. Yeah. And that's, I think, what we've seen with, with uh, Biden.
1: Yeah. I I, I do want to talk about Biden and we played that clip of, uh, you know, uh, showing how much he's being crushed in the polls by this and specifically young people. And I actually think it matters that young people are getting their news on TikTok and that this discrepancy is so massive because. The polls could be worse, in fact, like they Mm -hmm. probably are worse, given what we know about polls and we know about young people answering polls like. It's probably even worse for Biden, given his stance around Gaza and his endless support of this genocide. Um, you and I know Max Elbaum, who came on the show not too long ago, did a bonus bish. Everybody uh, should become a patron to get at that. We, You have created a Rube Goldberg machine by which Joe Biden gets out of this primary race and is not the nominee (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it doesn't involve you know him choking on a pretzel or whatever Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but what old very oh sad sad old reference but what do you i am surprised i was surprised when album said this i'm still a little surprised but it's true that look we got this old ass injured racehorse does he have one more race in him? No, probably not. He dies on mid-track. It's very sad, and the movie ends. <laughs> what? Like, what are your thoughts in terms of, like, 2024 is an election year. It's going to be wild. What could happen? What do you hope happens? Who could enter this race? Can we can we um, conscript Sean Fain of the UAW?
3: <laughs> I... So, so, first of all, I am not one of those that was particularly worried about Biden's age. Sure. Um, and, and part of that is because no one seems to be worried about Trump's age, which I have just found quite interesting because it's not like Trump is 35. Um, so what, what Max and I were basically saying Mm -hmm. is that his uh, Biden's stand on the Gaza genocide has completely undermined him and undermined his campaign. Mm -hmm. So we do think he should declare that he's not going to run for re-election. And what that probably would end up meaning is that this goes to the Democratic Party convention this summer. Uh, And people roll out of that campaign, out of that convention, determined to win. Mm. I do not think that anything for 2024 is settled. Um, And I'm not really even focusing right now on how people are reacting at this moment, because you see, here's the problem. We are facing a, um, uh, 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 a horrendous choice, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right, <laughs> that we have this MAGA movement, which has Trump as its leader, right at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and they are making making it very clear what they intend to do if uh, elected. Now, there are people that I've spoken with and heard who have said, "Well, I, I'm just not going to vote." For a Biden or a Democrat, we'll just we'll wait four years, mm-hmm. which begs the question do you think that we really will have four years? Mm-hmm. I mean, have you listened to what Trump has said? Have you listened to what the Heritage Foundation has said? Have you listened to what the Alec has said? Right? Any yeah. of these things. And, and so in November, people will have to make a very cold decision. Now, some people will go in the direction that the Communist Party of Germany did in 1932, when they declared as their leading slogan "After Hitler, us," uh, meaning that they believed that Hitler was going to discredit himself and that people would repudiate Hitler and then turn to the left. History did not work out that way.
1: Oh boy, um, God! <laughs> Le- leftists are such—we're such like weird 70 chess yes. gamesmen where we're like, no, because then what happens is like like no buddy like you just right. step one do step one precisely
3: and people <laughs> but people just there's people that believe that so right. I think the problem the thing is that right after Trump again
1: AOC after right. you know that That's kind right. of thing exactly
3: I think we'll see I think right now we've got to hammer the administration around Gaza mm-hmm. hammer them I think we need to discourage Biden from uh from seeking uh, a reelection. And then we can fig- we can settle the rest of this out. I, I, I don't think right now that spending time thinking about who the ideal candidate is or right. whether it's too late to get into primaries, the hell with that. Right. Main thing is that at some point he says, no. Now, I think that there's enough circumstantial evidence to conclude that there are folks in the Democratic Party leadership, I wouldn't say that they're panicking, but are not convinced that Biden can do it. And, and they were I, panicked
1: before, Bill. Yes. I mean, that's what's crazy is that they were <laughs> panicked before and now so exactly and so it's, and the polls weren't even that bad that's before. Right. That's right. That's so right. imagine what they're thinking now, but of course, right. you know, Israel comes first.
3: Yeah. And and you know, look, I mean, when we look at the last several elections, that's why I don't pay much attention to polls. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I checked, I think in 2022, it was supposed to be a red wave. Right. 2020 was supposed to be a blue wave. I mean, you know, it's like, so I I think I'm saying all this not to be Pollyannish, but to Mm -hmm. basically say, take a deep breath and now let's talk strategy. And and I had to have that discussion with a friend of mine recently who, you know, people call me all the time. I said to my wife the other day, I think I'm going to say, don't call me if you want to vent. <laughs> Only call me if you want to strategize. Because mm. I'm not, you know, it's like people call me, oh, the world. My mother, 90, almost 96 years old, wonderful person. <laughs> but but she'll call me and just the world is ending, Bill. What are we gonna do? And I said, Well, mom, let's talk strategy.
2: Right? <laughs> and and,
3: and re- that's what I think we've got to do. You let
1: your mom bitch, come on, this is a bitch uh, you let she, your freaking she, mom right, on you know, the
3: show. But but you see, if there's a way that she can work things up where it's like I just want to run away screaming. It's true. Uh, right.
1: And and liberals do that a lot. I mean yes, let, they do. Let, we do that very we are um because we again fascism is a it's it's awful but it's a vision and we often don't have that vision but i do before you go can you talk about let's in terms of strategy yeah, the the role of labor right now and 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 the fact that initially when this war started there was an idea like well why would this random union be issuing a ceasefire statement and now when you have the uaw issuing this statement saying we're going to be looking into our factories that might be you know Creating or aiding in weapons that are being sent to Israel—I mean, this is some, although they're not saying it, some BDS, you know, action here or the beginnings of something. So I'm curious. And you wrote a piece about you know labor's role in this. What do you see as as the importance of labor right now, and when it comes? So to-
3: it's important for people to realize that labor has always been divided on foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Always going back to the Spanish-American War and then the Spanish Civil War in the 30s the Vietnam War Central America South Africa right so there's always been divisions what we're seeing now in that sense is not unprecedented what is different however is that you have unions that are willing to speak up in opposition to Israel and this has been really very rare so this is this is brilliant this yeah. is this is brilliant now the can they stay stay with us? I'm hoping. But the other part of it, which is what I, I'm actually concerned about, is that with the rise of this kind of post-fascist movement, the MAGA folks, what you don't see is organized labor standing forward or stepping forward with a very clear stand against the rise of the right of right-wing authoritarianism. Right. And Educating the members, but also engaging the members. See, this is why I think, why I wanna talk about strategy and tactics. For example, we need union members that get mobilized so that when these fascists show up at school committee meetings, for instance, we have double the number of people there on our side that are basically saying, hell no, we're not gonna be banning books. When there's an attempt, further attempts to squash a woman's right to control her body, that you have people from our side that say, hell no, we're not going to tolerate this.
1: And you see unions as like this vehicle. Absolutely. um, You know, a built-in community that can also do work around not just workplace things and not just contract negotiations, but actually play this more pivotal role more broadly. It's what
3: I call social justice unionism. Mm. That's what we need to be standing for. And recognizing, of course, that unions are not political parties that the unions are not monolithic. They're going to be differences of opinion. Sure. As long as we respect those differences, hmm. don't treat the members like idiots. Don't treat them like you're going to tell them what to do. Hmm. Encourage debate, build a consensus, and then move on. You're not going to have a unanimous agreement. But right. this is the time to act. And so I think that the steps that the UAW, the National Nurses United, the American Postal Workers Union, and a number of other unions have taken. That's what needs to be supported. The postal workers
1: came out for a ceasefire. American Postal
3: Workers Union was one of the first, and the president Mark Dimonstein uh, found himself, uh, as it was reported, very isolated in an AFL-CIO executive committee meeting. But nevertheless, took a very strong, very
1: courageous stand. I'm extremely proud of him. They're like, look, even the postal service has a few uh ceasefires <laughs> i'm trying to make the. we have a pause in our delivery so there should be a pause in the delivery of weapons there we go yes. there's something there um mm. no when mm. i read that i was like shut up will <laughs> shut up will i'm taking you out of the stream right now bye mm. when i read that i was like damn and and i think it sounds it seems ridiculous to people but it is in the same way that like churches have stood up like the yes. Presbyterian Church of America has has um, said that they won't invest in any um, companies that occupy or work in the occupied territories like and participate in BDS like they are organizing forces they are they are um, centers in their community they can weigh in on these questions and I think more should I mean I'm incredibly heartened by that um, yes. yeah
3: absolutely and and there will be more that I know, yeah, there will be more, and and particularly when there's ferment at the base, the leaders are feeling more and more compelled to speak up. And right. it's really hard when you watch the news, uh, uh, I mean, unless you're a completely a complete um, almost like a sociopath, when you watch what's happening in Gaza, it's hard not to come to the conclusion that there's a problem here. Now, one of the things I got challenged on uh, by a Zionist was so just like the United States had to uh, carry out firebombings of Yokohama and Dresden, the Israelis have to do what they're doing in Gaza. And I pointed out that what the U.S. did in Yokohama, Dresden, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, those were war crimes. Yeah. It just happened that the United States won the war. So no one was taking them to, to court. But right. also a lot of laws changed in the 1940s in terms of laws of war, human rights, etc. So yeah. one cannot just simply go back and say, well, because the U.S. blasted Dresden, that we have a right. I mean, if you leaving the morality aside, what's interesting is that the those fire bombings did not, help to end the war right right it did not help uh and and so this what israel is doing they're not going to militarily destroy hamas even if they did there would be a new one
1: they know that they know they won't i mean i think the sickest excuse i've heard from i mean basically what zionists are saying is well we need to have our nagasaki like why why can't we have our hiroshima in effect this colonial power that that right. this this western colonial power wants to prove itself as such by having their own massive war crime by right. having their nagasaki and exactly. hiroshima and getting away with it and right. having also, and that is chilling yes it is the idea
0: the, the idea of comparing the Gaza Strip to Imperial Japan up to the 1940s <laughs> right. is so crazy, like, uh, a, like a, an imperial power with such a like nauseating, uh, like, legacy of like violence and repression and like the most brutal crimes against innocent people. And again, it's like, and yes, and they are very similar to the 15,000 guys in tunnels with like homemade RPGs that they're right. shooting right. in tanks on GoPros, right? Like, right. It's, no, it's absolutely. It, it's an abs- it's such an absurd comparison <laughs>
3: and me- and it leaves out the entire history mm. of how we got there i mean you know on october 7th or actually on october 8th when i, I, I in the aftermath of the uh, initial Hamas-led attack um i i i wrote and said to some people this was inevitable
2: mm-hmm
3: uh, it was just a matter of time. And anyone that was surprised by this was a fool or asleep because the provocations by Netanyahu were so clear, he wanted this right. to happen.
1: Now, well, they not also all, knew it was going to for about it, a year, right. but we did exactly have to right. talk about that.
3: That's right. Now, I'm certainly not going to justify at all the war crimes that Hamas committed, but the the fact that there was an
1: attack
3: that took place. It was inevitable. The people of Gaza were being squeezed into non-existence. Everybody knew this. That is so completely different than any analogy, as you're saying, Will, with Germany, Italy, or Japan in World War II. It just it, it just defies any comparison. One
1: hundred percent. I think. Go ahead, Will. What? I I just,
0: I also, years and years ago, God, I think it was Nathan J. Robinson. I heard him talking about being a pacifist and how people be like, oh, well, pacifist, you think we just should have let Germany win World War II? And it's like, no, as a pacifist, I think we never should have created the conditions that led to the rise of Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, you you can't, like, people want to start history at the points where it's incredibly easy to make these simplistic arguments. But you're like, well, no. And Yeah, like you said, it's like saying, well, what did you expect is not the same as saying, well, I'm glad that it happened. And it is like you treat people like this. You like you treat people worse than you would treat a dog. And how do you think they're going to react to that eventually? That's right.
1: I think that one thing we've been talking about on the show, Naomi Klein was on and she talked about, you know, look, the war crimes were committed by Hamas. We need to call them such. And I think that was a really important point. Since then, I have been speaking also to, you know, Um, friends of mine, you know, uh, Muslim Americans who said, who say to me, but Israel's been skirting the law, the international law, when it comes to the treatment of Palestinians for so long. So it is really, yes, it's important to call what Hamas did a war crime, killing innocent people. But it also is so sick because the people who have been completely flaunting international law that is you know, called their occupation, what it is, asked them, you know, to remove settlements, all of this right. is Israel itself. That's so right. it must be applied equally. And if it is flaunt, flaunted equally, then like, of course, th- they should not be trusted. Like, it's just, and again, we we talk about our way forward for a progressive vision for international re- policy for, uh, and international relations, it does go through the UN. And if it goes through the UN, then it starts with holding Israel accountable to the United Nations. And the many, many times United Nations has said that they are in violation of international law, right. including what South Africa is now saying. So the, it's so funny, Bill, because I've been, you know, like you said, it hasn't been an issue. People haven't really paid attention. Will, you said the same thing. It's like Fetterman thinks he can get elected and not talk about it. And now I feel like actually all roads go through Palestine, Mm -hmm. every single one of them. Let's start here, you know, like this should be the starting point. So
3: I'm in agreement with you. Let me just put a qualifier in there, though. One of the reasons that I think it's important to talk about the Hamas atrocities Mm -hmm. is that they the, the, we are fighting a struggle at a global level. The Palestinian struggle, uh, much like the Vietnamese struggle, became a global struggle. The entire world is watching. And so on the one hand, as you said, Israel has been committing one breach of international law after another and getting away with it. And we've got to call them on it. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. What we have to keep in mind is that when the oppressed are fighting back, they're watched very carefully. And how they play things out becomes important, not just at the level of morality, but in turn at the level of building a broad front. So here's an example. Uh, During the Vietnam War, this guy named John McCain was shot down over North Vietnam. And uh, as he admitted, Vietnamese peasants wanted to slice and dice him. Right. He was saved by the National North Vietnamese Army. They were the ones that saved him. Now, had the Vietnamese Army allowed the peasants to slice him up, that would have been completely understandable on one level because of the atrocities that the U.S. was committing in Vietnam. So at one level, people would have understood it. At the level of influencing the globe, what the North Vietnamese did was brilliant.
0: Hmm. It
3: was brilliant because that's what gets remembered. When the the ANC, when the African National Congress made a decision about not attacking civilians, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about morality. It's that they recognized they were fighting a battle on a global stage.
1: Yes. Think about I, for a second, but it, but a battle. It, I do mm-hmm. I do think like I, I think that the South African comparison is much more apropos, just because it's also it. The ANC did not have an army, just like you know Palestinians do not have an army. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, uh, yeah, I guess I'm. Allah, what are you saying? What were you? You go, you go, Bill.
3: I'm it's, saying that we that it's a fight for public opinion, global public right. opinion. And that's what the ANC, that's what the Vietnamese, that's what successful revolutionary movements have and yet what I was gonna
1: to. what I was gonna push back on on that is that on, only when there is violence do folks pay attention to what's going ah, on. in Gaza. I didn't
3: say about violence. I said attacking civilians. Right.
1: right, 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 right.
3: There's a difference, right? I'm talking about violating the rules of war. Right. That uh, that people, oppressed people, have every right to engage in armed struggle for resistance. Think about for a second, if the Hamas-led attack on October 7th had only hit military targets, what kind of discussion do you think we might be having right now?
1: The same one. (laughs) No, no, no. It would have been different, not from a propaganda standpoint, um, but you're right. No, you're you're absolutely right. I I think so. I mean, again... I don't think that that should change how we feel about the ongoing ethnic cleansing or genocide, but I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, I I agree with you. And it is sort of instructive for the future, um, which this will all continue to play out. Um, And we will continue to have you back on the show because you're wonderful. Bill Fletcher, how can people follow your work or find you?
3: Thank you. So my website is billfletcherjr.com. I'm on uh, Twitter or X or whatever you call it at, uh, at Bill Fletcher jr. Also on Facebook at Bill great. Fletcher jr. And oh, I that. am on Instagram, although I've never quite figured out how to use it. Cause I don't take pictures of myself. So, um, no, you get, don't, you, it's... but I'm very reachable.
1: Okay, great. Just go live. Just hit live and just talk.
3: <laughs> I will consider that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. that will be, that'd be cool. All right, Bill, take very good care. Thank you so much for being on. And Will, we have one more segment. Um, A lot has happened in Trump world over the last few weeks, Um, and we need to dig into some of it. We're not going to get into the court cases, but because, like, you know, he's not seeing any kind of justice. No, he might. It'll be exciting. Um, This is Trump Dates. Like, updates, but it's Trump Dates. It kind of works. It's whatever. Whatever. I'll kick you off if you criticize it. It's Trump dates. This is just, it's our little grab bag of Trump updates that we can like, you know, pull out of and be like, Ooh. Um, and so some exciting updates, I'm sure you found out about Colorado and the Supreme court deciding that Trump was ineligible for the ballot because of, you know, the little insurrection. And since then Maine, good old Maine has also decided the secretary of state, Shanna Bellows, um, Oh, wait. uh, Hang on. Hang on. Disqualifies. Maine disqualifies Trump from presidential primary ballot citing insurrection clause. Again, Article 14, Clause 3 or something. Or is it 13, Clause 4? You guys know. Bellows examined the case after a group of citizens challenged Trump's eligibility and concluded that former the former president should be disqualified for inciting an insurrection on the 6th of January 2021. I do not reach this conclusion lightly, said Bellows, a Democrat, in the decision. I'm mindful that no secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. There you go. I'm also mindful, however, that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection. So there's also that. Big Trump date. Big. It, this this is also
0: this also brings up one of my favorite like do nothing counter arguments mm-hmm. from like the same guys always where they're like well they're like you know yeah he did an insurrection but we shouldn't be canceling him off we shouldn't be taking him off ballots because then they might the republicans might try to do that in the future and it's my favorite like it's my favorite um argument of just being like Well, but if we do a thing, what if another thing happens? It's like, yeah, you got me. Things may happen in the future.
1: Uh, This is so true. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's, a, it's like the centrist version of the leftist future tripping about like the leftist being like, well, if we elect Trump, then next we're going to elect AOC. And this is like centrists who are like, it's basically an excuse to do nothing. Well, if we hold anyone accountable for anything, well, then they might hold us accountable for something. Yeah, I hope they would. I hope if anyone incited an insurrection and tried to nullify a, a, like a democratic election, that you would prevent that person from Holding office or running for office based on the time that it did happen before. Remember, it's all the Civil War, and this is. But this was the thing with um, who was homie who followed Grant, who the dude who got impeached the first time.
0: Oh, uh, Jackson.
1: Jackson, who soft pedals to ever do it. One of the worst. Yes. Who who soft peddled Andrew Jackson, who soft peddled on Confederates because it was like, you know, they've been through enough. And it's like, no, man, they haven't been through enough. There should have been more punishment for the Civil War. What they were trying to secede from the Union and incite, like, yeah, kill everybody. They were killing. They were doing killing, Will. I believe there was killing in the Civil War. I don't know much about civil things or war. Yeah, and it's it to
0: me is like you look at the way like the the sort of like 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 ball of shit that is just accumulating more shit as it rolls down shit mountain ever since like ever since the clinton years of just like like naked corruption just being allowed in government and like there being almost no consequences for it ever and any time there is the supreme court uh, uh you know makes it even harder to get people for corruption which now we brazenly or nakedly see why and it it's like maybe this is getting exponentially worse every every new presidential term because the next group of grifters is like look at what that group got away with totally. hey i'm not i'm not one to try to make my name in this world i'm going to do even more than that
1: they're also just afraid of like the right doing the i'm rubber your glue and like like project the right's endless projection you know Oh, I also the, the Trump, it- the Biden crime family, really, it was the Trump crime family, like all of the same stuff. And it's like, so you're afraid of their bluster. And that's why you don't want to hold people account. It's yeah, I, I actually think you hear this from all political stripes. It's not just centrist. I think it's also some people on the left who are like, No, I don't think we should prevent Trump from, you know, being on yeah. the ballot. Uh, it's it's and uh, I, I also think the c- corruption thing
0: too, is it's like, I hate to be this guy of like, hmm, both sides do it. But it really is like, well, like all of them are doing insider trading. It's insane how much insider trading, for example, goes on and they legally can't be punished for it. And it's just like, then I understand when people are like, well, why should we punish that guy when we don't punish that guy? And it's like, well, look, in this case, they're kind of not wrong. So like if we're going to punish like going after Trump for all this stuff, we absolutely should go after any Democrats who do it, I, I mean, right. I you know, love it, but uh, it's it's something I think that like the party interior needs to come to terms with as well because it's just it just feels like every you reach a certain level of power and you have immunity. It's let's say where it's like if I owe if I owe you a million dollars, I'm fucked. But if I owe you a hundred million dollars, you're fucked. That's like what it right. feels like once you reach the federal government. Is it's like yeah, I'm doing corruption. Sucks for you, man. You can't really do anything about it.
1: Right. Oh, a uh, quick fact check. It wasn't Andrew Jackson. Sorry, people. Um, it was Hayes. It was Rutherford Burchard, Hayes, followed by Garfield. Um, I don't know if Hayes served. A, yeah, he served four four years, but Garfield. But basically, it doesn't I'm matter. Saving.
0: I don't have to know this stuff.
1: Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm like Ethan
0: Baker. I know who I'm he like is the
1: child of immigrants. College. Like what? I don't know. I don't even know. Um, but yeah. Sorry. But, but basically. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like the soft pedaling around the Confederates and the ways that we were like, look, they've learned their lesson. No, no one's learned their lesson. As Will is saying, no one learns their lesson. They just see the shit that the other people got away with and they try to get away with that plus more. Um, and it's and it's also again, Kirsten Cinema. Oh, we can't get rid of the filibuster because what if <laughs> they got rid of our filibuster <laughs> No, we know you don't want to get rid of the filibuster because you don't actually want like popular policies to pass the Senate. Um, but anyway, that's the Trump update, but now fun Trump updates. So you guys thought you had a fun new year's. Well, what did you do this new year's?
0: Uh, God, look, I'm married. I'm almost 40. Uh, we just went upstairs to hang out with our friends and we, we were playing, we were in the middle of a boys versus girls, uh, <laughs> Mario party game when that we realized really it fun. was 12. <laughs> When it we realized it was twelve oh two and we had missed New Year's, so I'd rather not talk about it.
1: <laughs> That's a good reason to have missed uh, the whatever ball drop. Yeah. But this is what was happening at um, Mar a Lago. Trump was there. Uh, we don't have uh, images of him, but he was there in the back watching um, Vanilla Ice, who's yes still still performing at Mar a Lago. I'm sure you've seen him before. Joined by, we don't have the audio because I don't want this to be demonetized. But none other than, I believe Michelangelo, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh,
0: Michelangelo!
1: Right? I mean, they tried to get Raphael. Raphael, yeah.
0: It's um, you're Italian, right? I'm assuming.
1: Uh, eh, see.
0: Yes, uh, it's your real, your Italian roots really coming through with Michelangelo. Oh. Everybody here would call him Michelangelo.
1: Oh, am I saying <laughs> Michelangelo? That's right. That's right. Michelangelo. Yes, the sculptor. Uh, Michelangelo, however, (laughs) the cool, badass turtle um, who is serving just just incredible. (laughs) This is if you're listening, if you're listening, imagine it is 1989 and Vanilla Ice and Michelangelo are (laughs) somehow relevant Except, no, it's 2024, and we're at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump is sadly standing in the back, and everyone, there's, there's a woman on her phone who I think is supposed to be actually, like, singing. She's in the middle there, like, she's performing, but she's just, like, on her phone, texting, being like, babe, I'll be home a little later, yeah, this gig's running long, it's pretty stupid. Um, so, this is another update that I think is very important. You-
0: Do you want the context for why there's a Ninja Turtle on stage? Oh,
1: did you do your research?
0: No. Well, this I just know because I... Oh, I'm smart. I'm Will. No, 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 (laughs) no. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, during the climactic fight with the other two, the two like new mutants that they're fighting, they bust into they get thrown through the walls of like a warehouse at a docks uh-huh. like by the docks yeah um and vanilla ice is playing and the turtles start fighting the uh, uh the other two mutants and vanilla ice starts rapping go ninja go ninja go and what's crazy about this that's clip?
1: right that's kid that's his song yes but this
0: is not the song he's singing in the clip this that's I know how nuts this sounds. That's the craziest part to me is that you open this up and you see the still and you're like, I know what this is going to be. And then it's just like a vanilla ice deep cut, deep cut. Yeah, at he... no go ninja, go ninja, go. That's
1: bullshit. It's so really, Michelangelo really came out, and there's no go ninja, go, it's just he's there and it's like random. Yes, first the ninja all- is
0: going, but there's no ninja, ninja. Yes, go ninja, go ninja, go ninja, ninja, rap. Yeah, that was like the whole song. <laughs> it's also funny that you would see those guys, you'd see all these guys, like the ninja turtles bust into the room. You see mutant turtles, and your first thought is, whoa, ninjas, like. You absolutely would have the song be go turtle, go turtle, go, because that would be the first thing and overriding thing. Oh, world.
1: go turtle, go turtle, go.
0: Yes. Nobody <laughs> in the crowd when the ninja Nobody. turtles bust through the wall are like big, like, whoa, very short ninjas. No, they were absolutely
1: like these large are a turtle, turtles. Yes, go, turtle, these are turtle first of all, that sounds like a story I would read my baby at bedtime. Go turtle, go. Um, but also again. That movie came out in 1991, and if there's any more proof that Donald Trump is a product of the 80s and early 90s and should have always stayed there and had it good back then, when he just Epstein's parties and getting away with all kinds of white-collar crime and cheating on his wife with porn stars, then he had to go and run for president. It's this right here. This is the—this is this year— this is the only people who perform how much do you think they were paid to perform
0: oh my god um i i believe they I'm were gonna say... promised a lot of money i mm. they were probably promised uh i would say two songs i don't know uh a hundred grand a song Oof. so for like 10 10 minutes right before the ball ball drop maybe right. like they got grand if he had to do the countdown too i
1: think they had to take an uber there they definitely didn't and they they got free food, but like there was there's like very little food left, um, and I think ultimately they'll each be paid about three thousand dollars.
0: I, I I also do think that mine is what they were promised contractually, but we do know that Donald Trump likes to try to pay people with like, look, I've got this racehorse you can have, or like, ooh these uh, I have these uh, uh, gloves signed by uh, Lennox Lewis. So I do think he tried to, like, negotiate them with them with, like, sports memorabilia or something.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of discussion about me fucking up the presidents, us fucking up the presidents. Yes, Andrew Johnson was first impeached. Thank you, Gary Cooper. I think I might have been thinking about Johnson. Um, but, yes, uh, it was
0: Johnson. I Jackson and Johnson, uh, You those names are – you're allowed to mix those names up. Yeah, Nobody yeah, that's, that, that.
1: that's fair game. The same um, nine. Ghost Army of Bots on Twitch says, how many FBI informants are at this party <laughs> inside <laughs> Michelangelo? It's <laughs> just recording everybody. Um, so sad. Always fun at Mar-a-Lago. And then final update, the tr- Trump dates are not done. Um, on, let me get my little um, final little update is uh, apparently. I'll be my
0: grave and I'll still be coming up with Trump updates. Like I'll be on my deathbed. And still be coming up with like fake headlines about Donald Trump. I know it. My brain's never going to. I just
1: want a year. I want my, I want my life back. I look, I know the future for my children and my children's children or my child and the child's child will suck for many different reasons. But if they can go a year of their lives without thinking or hearing the name Donald Trump, when he does pass, like that's a good life. That's a great fucking life. So don't, Tell me I never gave you nothing. I think it was
0: one of the guys on Chapo who said that the last words he says as his family, like leans in close around his deathbed. The last thing he's going to say to them is washed up psycho Bette Midler. And then he's going to pass. (laughs) And it's like, our children need to be like saved from this brain worm. Or like, you know, you'll be in a conversation and you'll, you'll, you know, just call somebody like very fine people or, and you're like, Oh my God, I hate this man. I'm so repulsed by this man. And his like, affectations and way of speaking have just like poisoned
1: i'm not me, repulsed me that he i just i'm repulsed that he has so much power but like if all he leaves us is his affectations like that's fine i just don't want him anywhere near power even just saying not like not good very bad like i i, I can't I, i'll say that forever and like do you think the band bad bad not good is mad now <laughs> that they um have that they probably okay. happy for the press Yeah, exactly. A lot of people are just Googling them or him and get them. Um, So the last piece of news is that apparently, and I've said this, I've I've held this belief for many, many years now that Trump wears diapers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he does. He's has he clearly has diaper ass. Um, Take it from a mom. And he I have this line, which is show me the undies, because I believe that he can be baited into showing us his actual underwear but he can't because he wears diapers but it's anyway it's a again once again i'm 7d chessing like his downfall but <laughs> he
0: we really should just put him in jail
1: <laughs> we really should just put him in jail at this point but I, i'm still thinking of ways But um, apparently he smells bad. This is sort of new, but maybe a little bit old. There's a Lincoln Project ad that came out that basically has a Kathy Griffin quote where she talks about how bad he smells. He smells sort of like makeup and trash and poop. But then recently, Adam Kissinger, former um, uh, Republican Congressperson Kissinger, he again, the the never Trumper, I guess, but someone who actually believed January 6th was an insurrection. He was on Midas Touch Media. I didn't know they had everyone's got a news outlet. And um, here's what he said about Donald Trump smelling. And then I have some evidence to remind everyone of how he smells.
2: I'm
3: genuinely surprised how people close to Trump haven't talked about the odor. It's truly something to behold. Wear a mask if you can. Then Donald Trump responded to that, and he had his team go after you and say, no, Kinzinger is the one who's smelly. And as Hillary Clinton said, if you could be baited by a tweet, how are you supposed to be expected to handle Vladimir Putin and and, and other authoritarians? And Donald Trump clearly got baited by your tweet and your post. But let's just start with your post, the odor, the stench, the stink. How bad is it? What do you know about that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's not good. I mean, think about uh, the best way to describe it. I, I've tried to like so take like armpits, ketchup, uh, like a butt, and kind of put it in a blender and makeup, and put that all in a blender, and that's and, and you bottle that as a cologne. That's kind of that. Mm, that's the sweet smell of freedom. That's what that is.
0: The 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 ketchup and makeup. Like I've had makeup reapplied and there is something about like the smell of like makeup on makeup where you're kind of like i can like smell how it's like caked on right now yeah yeah it's sweet yes and ketchup i would have i'd never my god i mean one blessed thing is i never uh, thought about how he smelled uh but now i will and i would have guessed he smelled like weirdly sickly sweet like
1: yeah like that he would be like sour
0: milk or something kind like
1: yeah i would think that he again man of the 80s like i thought he would like just dunk himself in cologne
0: yes and is he like
1: a dracar noir type guy and now i'm
0: thinking about how bad uh the capitol building the room where like when they're taking a vote like how bad does it smell in there
1: because for sure
0: all the mega guys wear way too much cologne I'm sure there are a lot of like like older, I would guess older, uh, older women Democrats probably lay on perfume a little heavy. And it's also like there's just been too many instances where it really seems like some member of Congress has shit their pants on television. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so there's unsubstantiated rumors that he does wear a diaper and regularly has accidents. But I think that what Kissinger is explaining is just the smell of a Big Mac fart like that's So yeah. that's a Big Mac fart armpits. Can also, often be mistaken for onions. Onions and burgers kind of... Uh, armpits and burgers smell very similar. It's a Big Stop. Mac fart. I apologize, guys. Come on. But it's a... I'm sorry. It's a wet Big Mac fart.
0: Really? With- See, I would say I think it's dry. The The <laughs> odor he's describing to me feels like a weird dry odor. Hey, it yeah, would, it might be dry. Where he just... like Like he just got out of the car or something. Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. Like it was like a long drive and you're like, like, oh, it's been
0: baked into him.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like smelling someone's pants when they get off an airplane, you know, like that. that.
0: Okay. (laughs) Sure.
1: You know (laughs) when you do that? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I both do know. I, worked- I know what you mean. And I'm also perplexed. By- I was a
1: canine in an airport for a very long oh. time. I smelled a lot of passengers. No. Um, so that's he smells. And um, everyone needs to remi- be reminded of this uh, video. If you're listening, there is a fart immediately. Uh, when I start the video, you can hear it. And Diane Feinstein, we don't know this wasn't what gave her shingles and killed her or just maybe just killed her or led to her death, here she is trying to pretend like she didn't just hear Donald Trump fart right next to her. Remember,
3: So today we're here in a bipartisan fashion to show leadership in an effort to end this senseless violence. And violence, it can be ended.
1: (laughs) It starts with him just going, like, taking a breath, going, so, uh," and then... And then she's like looking around, like oh god, and then can't really believe that he just if let he had one kept out.
0: Talking normally, he—you might be able to say it's the chair. But the fact that, as it happened, he was like, and then we, of course, a lot of people like he like does the like tone shift as he right. does it. Right, and there's Freaky. a little bit of a, yeah, um, a shift I,
1: breath I, in, swift breath in. <laughs> I
0: I have the exact opposite uh feeling of you do. I don't think it killed her. I think for a brief moment uh, that all the dementia just washed away and she had this moment where she was like, Oh my God, I remember who I am and where I am. And then was like, No, no, no. And she felt the the, the fog descend upon her again. She was just like, I remember everything, mate. oh no,
1: please. All she needed was a dry Big Mac fart.
0: Yes. The way she wake her back like up. Looking around, she's like, Oh my God, I put the control flag up. <laughs> And then you you're, know
1: You're the MAGA, aren't you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: I've heard about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to fight you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Will Weldon, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you? Follow your work.
0: Uh well, I got I got banned from Twitter a couple months ago. <laughs> um for promoting violence. And I just like to say I have promoted violence. So, 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 so much harder than the tweet they banned me for promoting <laughs> violence over. What? It was a joke that it was all about free
1: speech. And now it
0: was a joke about Russia having to nuke Canada if they were actually interested in getting rid of Ukrainian Nazis. Um, uh, but, um, you know, because our <laughs> parliament, uh, they, we tricked Zelensky into applauding a Nazi. Um, oh, geez. Oh, uh, lord. Yeah,
1: well, wicked. dude, also goes really hard for Israel. Zelensky, you know, he's. He's He's a complicated cookie. I have
0: some, uh, I think he is after the Palestinians. I think he like Ukrainians right now have to be like, I can't fucking believe they fucking did this to us. Um, But, uh, uh, Oh, I also have a, a podcast it's called angry little goats it's with uh, eliza skinner who is also a comedian we used to do politics we don't do politics anymore every month we do like four episodes of one thing and then we just change it because i was like <laughs> i can't get locked down again angry
1: little goats is a great name for a show and See, eliza's been on this show i i love her so everybody listen to that and you need a break started, from
0: so there aren't there aren't weird uh there's no weird you know podcasts end up with a lot of lore you'll be listening it's like oh it's like a fast food like you try to get into Doughboys now and you're like what is all this what are right. they referencing podcasts just end up with a lot of lore and we don't have that yet so i am working
1: on the lore i don't know frantifa do we have lore i don't think we have lore but let me know if we have lore um we'll be very well thank you so much for being here and uh all y'all i promised i would end this show by 15 minutes ago but i have not um that is okay i'm just gonna read a few comments and fuck off into the night um let's read some comments from members because that's who matters um become a member on youtube and watch back all of our bonus shows so much content that you probably missed um really good stuff fun stuff and support the show become a member on twitch on youtube or wherever you fancy specifically patreon.com situation room matt gates on white4bronco hi thank you so much as tis better than a new year's countdown tra la la that was i think before we started um Thank you so much, Robert, uh, for your super chat. The Biden dilemma being Republican light means right righties vote for actual Republicans and being complicit in Israeli genocide loses everyone left of Robert Reich. We're looking at an election where the incumbent loses 35 states. I mean, I don't know. We will see. It's just going to be a massive low voter turnout. I think that's what we know. So, like, without a doubt, Um, Gary Cooper uh, I keep saying it. If the U.S. cut off all aid to Israel today, there would be a peaceful solution with the Palestinians by tomorrow morning. I mean, probably. Uh, Adam Risch, thank you for being a member In regards to Fetterman, pro-Israel groups donated 500k to his campaign, meanwhile I donated like 20, go figure, he listens to them No, exactly, and I think folks Like yourself are feeling real pissed right now Donald James, thank you so much for being a member Said, did Fetterman take APAC money? He took J Street money, and I think He took Friends of Israel money, I haven't seen The exact numbers broken down as to whether it's APAC, but you know, there's many, multiple Groups that are APAC, J Street, APAC, Light Um Madam Power Gojura says I voted for Fetterman before we relocated to Colorado. Disappointed to see him like this. Thank you for being a member and for that. Brandy nuance, ice, ice, old man. Um, yeah, I mean, how old is Vanilla Ice at this point? And then Matt Gates on Way4Bronco. Thank you, says, Fran, thank you for your super chat. Franny, May 2024, allow us to beat Trump, get Abbott out of Texas and reverse abortion and gun laws. If this happens, I'll hire all four Ninja Turtles and crash your podcast live so y'all can boogie together. Um, have I told you the story of when I hired a mariachi band to celebrate Trump not winning in 2016? Have I told you that story? the end of the night the mariachi band consoling me it was a fun one we decided not to have them play uh it was a whole thing anyway um you guys thank you so much uh for for being here of course i have to continue our our uh our tradition of the fart song even though we don't have any patrons at $10 or more but I see all the $5 patrons and I appreciate you if you want to get a shout out on the show $10 or more gets you that shout out and so many different perks and supports us in what we do and my little labor of love but this is the fart song <laughs> Uh, let's go over to Twitch. Let's see what's happening. Punch Up Dragon resubscribe with Prime. Thanks so much. 15 months strong. Squishmallow Dragon cheered 100 bits. Rosalba resubscribed with Prime. 16 months strong. Squishmallow also gave out a community sub. Willy Gus resubscribed at one month. Thank you so much. And thank you, C for cheering 100 bits way back when. Um. And I don't have any more people to announce. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks to all the comments. Thanks to all the Twitch subscribers. Thank you to all the patrons. We're going for another year. It's going to be great. And thank you to Paige Omec, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Andy Vasoyan, our editor. Remember, we stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow the show on Twitchuation. On, sorry, on bituation on twitter at bituation pod tiktok bituation room instagram bituation room um we will be again here on friday send me stories if you guys have ideas for good stories um there's so much to get to on every tuesday so fridays are very very fun and remember y'all once again for the beginning of this incredibly crazy year fight the power fuck the patriarchy free palestine and don't just bitch about it be about it bye